When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. We have an audio system, but nothing to listen to. And now we have nothing to look at. Couldn't be better. Make quite a difference to have audio link up on the scanner again. Mmm, but who to trust? I know a place. Perfect. Not the most appealing. If I'm to die, I want to prepare myself mentally. And there is an easier alternative. Pull to open. Pull to open. Yes, and what do you do? They have their orders. They were both overwrought. The analysis checks out. You're sure? Yes. Sounds perfect. Let's see if it works. Here come the drums! Hello, and welcome to Pulto Open, an ongoing quest to watch all of Doctor Who in random order. I'm Pete Paschal. And I'm Chris Taylor, and we're a couple of guys, a couple of Doctor Who fans, a couple of journalists bouncing around the Doctor Who universe for, what is it, four seasons, five seasons now? I, I can't even count. We uh, all Almost I, a complete four. Yes. Almost. That is our four. arc so far. Our arc That's has been to... our arc. I like that. I like that might be a little bit a of foreshadowing for what we're, <laughs> we're doing this week. Um, but, but Pete, tell the fine folks at home where we've been on this random adventure so far. Well, previously on Pull to Open, three stories ago, we were at the Capaldi adventure, Knock Knock, which definitely had some knocking going on. Uh, and a fellow podcaster, Brian Young, knocked on the door of Pull to Open and visited us to help us commentate on a little bit of uh, Capaldi action there in his last season. That's right. uh, we jumped and he gained entry to season 10. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He hadn't seen it before, which was kind of cool. I like it when we can reach out and with a lot of our fans, certainly on TikTok, we can sort of open new worlds of Doctor Who to them, particularly the classic series. This was a nice time where we actually got to do it with a, uh, a fellow podcaster. So that was Absolutely. awesome. And then we, uh, we kind of closed the door on uh, people visiting new worlds of the Doctor <laughs> the following week. Yeah, the following week. Uh, yep. Legend of the them. Sea Devils was yes. where we were at there. That was one Which, of the almost almost brought us to like the current point in the show, because there was only one story after that so far, the power of the doctor. Um, but so really, this was just too. a continuation of the randomizers pirate fixation. And yeah, I we, have, we uh, yeah. regular listeners know that we have a curse on us until we go to curse the black spot. The reasons for this curse are, are lost in history, uh, but that that <laughs> is the case. We we are in a pirate kick. Uh, but then the randomizer yep. decided that it didn't want pirates. It, it it fled from the pirates after watching the mess that was Legend of the Sea Devils, and it yep, went fled to, from the pirates to its, its comfort food. Peter Capaldi exactly. again, <laughs> the arms of its favorite doctor. 
and perhaps the and best showed us actor ever to play the doctor. Yeah. But we'll get to that. Well, showed us like perhaps one of the best uh, hidden gems of his era, which was mm. you know, from Series Eight, Flatline, which both surprised kind of both of us that we liked it so much, and it ended up being kind of a surprise banger, a I count banger, our highest rating. We both gave to that yeah. episode. It was just really, really satisfying. Would not have expected that going in, but that's that's the joy of pull to open. The the revisiting in random order takes you out of the context of the season. Um, and also in the Flatline podcast, we spent a lot of time talking about season twenty of the old show, <laughs> and uh, and and Pete had some things to say up in that joint. Given that it was his first. His first Doctor Who season, you never forget your first. You had a lot of stuff to say about the release yeah. of the Blu-ray. Uh, right. And the randomizer was listening. Not to the challenges that we give it at the end of the show, but it was listening to your love of season 20. Because where did it take us next? It took us to season 20 and hey. serial one, the first story of season 20, Arc of Infinity. And oh my goodness, uh, oh my goodness, mm. I should say. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, was this good. was, so, thank you, uh, just came off with that one off the cuff. We'll have plenty more Omega jokes as we go. Um, but it was the kind of the reverse of Flatline for me. I Wow. Sometimes this <laughs> well, random It is adventure, an arc, Chris. It's not it's flat at all. Arc. It's a curve. So of the, course the it's the opposite of flatline. Arc, the story arc of pull to open. Oh, hey, there's another reason why the randomizer took us there. I love it. Uh, nice, hmm. nice. It's trying to teach us maths um, and <laughs> geometry, perhaps. Uh, but yeah, it's kind of the reverse of the experience that we have at flatline for me. I, 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 I hated this one, Pete. I'm sorry. Oh my god! <laughs> wow. Well, save it. Save yes. it for the rating. <laughs> I Let's just, see if I can pull you out you from TLDR on that one. Yeah, see if you can pull me out of the antimatter I'm, universe. I'm smelling. I'm smelling some ogrons approaching here. Um, oh, but, there's an army of them. But just a little background on the randomizer, and I wouldn't call it say it's obsessed with season twenty, but mm. we've definitely done more of this season. This is Davison's second season as the Doctor. Uh, more yes. of that season than his other two. So we've, we've already done, done more Drin of that season. <laughs> okay, that wasn't quite as good. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, sorry. Continue. M Modern undead. Uh, so the first appearance of Turlo. We've done Terminus, mm. as well as the King's Demons. So we've done a good chunk of season twenty so far. So the randomizer certainly likes Davison and this season in particular. We've done uh, other chunks of Davison on season nineteen and season twenty one too. Um, but I think the whole announcement of the new Blu-ray has, mm. you know, put some season 20 spring in the randomizer step. Yeah. And, the, randomizer 30, brought to you by, the randomizer brought to you by BBC enterprises. Um, <laughs> I, I, I feel like, you know, even though the randomizer is totally random, it's sort of taking side deals. Like it's, <laughs> the, yeah, it's, it's getting a, the advertising yeah. dollars. We're not. Um, so yeah, hey, BBC like Enterprises, it. come come sponsor us directly. Talk to us, not the randomizer. Yeah, we'll randomizer put it, we'll put it is, to good is use. our creature. <laughs> we'll get we'll get that one extra Easter egg for the uh, for the people on YouTube. Um, so before we get to that, I just want to tell everyone first, if you're just here for our commentary on Arc of Infinity, go ahead and check the show notes and there will be the timestamp prom prominently there to tell you exactly when we start talking about Arc of Infinity. And if, it's, if you're watching on YouTube, just scroll down a bit. It's on the notes 
on the YouTube video and you can cut ahead. Um, but I would also like to just remind listeners, hey, there is a great way for you to support Pull to Open. And that is, of That's course, right. by Leave leaving a review. a review. Yeah. On the podcast app. whatever podcast app. Apple <laughs> you take over. Hey, hey, this is my bit. It says here, it's my bit. This is your bit. Uh, oh, this is your bit. <laughs> this is my bit. You're right. Uh, so, hey, hey, listeners. Hey, we're in the full pull to open feedback loop. And uh, this is what you don't want to fast forward. You don't want to fast forward. You don't want to sleep on this leaving a review for pull to open uh, if you're listening to us. And we know that you are. Um, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, uh, a rating is especially helpful. Uh, if you just happen to have Apple Podcasts on your phone, fire it up. Um, leave us a five-star review. It's so much easier than thinking about any other number. Um, and that'll get the show visible to more listeners eager for great discussion. We've, we've had a, a, a our arc of uh, infinite listeners. Is, uh, we're well on the way to infinity. <laughs> Uh, but we need more. We uh, we need more appreciation for the show. That's the best way to do it. Share it with a friend. Share it with a cousin who's visiting Amsterdam. And, uh, you know, because what else are they going to listen to as they're running around uh, the the canal sides of Amsterdam? Um, and, That's what uh, they well, needed in that state. They needed some AirPods and a podcast. That that would have made yes, the time exactly. better. Time pass a lot easier in that scene. <laughs> oh, that, that, now that I think about it, it's like, all right, Tiga and Nissa, just grab these and, <laughs> and here's some, cue something up on my space iPhone. <laughs> I love it. You know what? I, w- I was recently re-listening to our podcast where we talked about the uh, the Walkman in um, uh, in Lie of the Land, where they're, they're trying to get the, the monks pyramid. Right. Uh, again, you know, blocking out the fake news, and they they list the Walkman, and and yeah, yeah, podcasts really would have been better for that. They just put you into this sort of nice soporific mood. Anyway, we're not soporific here on Pull to Open. We have lots of fun. Uh, we have lots of lots of fun, and I got to say, anyone who cut, by the way, to the commentary on Arc of Infinity is really missing out right now. Oh my! Because God. we, it is time, ladies and gentlemen, for oh, the Humoji God. Challenge. <laughs> Tough week. This is it. I've I've got two challenges. This is the first. Okay. (laughs) This is the time where I get to torture Chris and throw a bunch of emojis at him and then make him guess the Doctor Who show title that those Mm -hmm. emojis represent. And my sir, I'm I have some sympathy for you on this one. Oh god. (laughs) Okay. Better get ready with the hints. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so we're good. There might be some hints we need, but then again, you know, there's little bits of it. Um, okay, so uh, this one, this particular challenge, comes at us from Jack. He gave us a few uh, a couple uh, a little bit ago, and uh, that's Jack Hustwait on Twitter or X, as uh, I believe it's known now. No, and this one is four emojis. Okay, so you're ready. I'm ready. Okay. First one, uh, metal key, regular modern key. Okay. Second emoji, old timey key with kind of tooth like uh, jaw. What, what do you call those? The, the part of the key that turns the lock. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, the, the teeth, I guess, will we'll, for want of a better name. Yeah. yeah. Old timey key. So modern key, old timey key. And then sailboat. And then, United States flag. 
Oh, okay. I thought I had it there. <laughs> the, <laughs> I, I was thinking the Keys of Marinus. The keys of oh, goodness for that. Where does the US come in? I don't know the story. Well, Marine. Oh, Marine us. US. <laughs> oh, well. Nice one, Jack. Thank you. Thank you. There it is. Thank you also. Good call. <laughs> I guess the keys. So the keys really give it away, don't they? Yeah. Because it's like I, I thought thinking... you wouldn't you wouldn't get it because the flag, the flag threw me too. When yeah. I when I looked at it, I, I really something I was just going up and down the codex trying to figure it out, and I just like something clicked after it was like, I oh, was... Marine, us, <laughs> got it. Yeah, key key to time was the first thing in my head, and I'm like, oh wait, that's not a story, that's a season. Um, <laughs> maybe it's a key to time reference, and I'm like frantically trying to think of all the stories in that season. Uh, but no, that was an easy one. A title that is hard to uh, forget once you've seen it, even if you haven't seen True. the actual. Keys Samaras uh, itself, but perhaps we'll get there. Thank you so much, Jack. You too can leave a Humoji challenge for me to puzzle over. You can you can break my few remaining brain cells in future pull to opens, uh, and you will get listed in the codex uh, next yeah. to that story title. So yeah, please leave Humoji challenge as your review, um, and and then you're doing double duty and you're helping us out in two ways. We really appreciate that. And if you're listening on Spotify, you can help us out in yet more ways. You can not only rate the show, uh, you can vote in the feature that we call Poll to Open, where you give your rating to the story that we were talking about. Uh, and we have some results. Results are slightly delayed as our you know election officials uh, check in, weigh the results, make uh, everything uh, certain. But we do have results for Legends of the Sea Devils. Uh, Pete, mm -hmm. do you want to give us the, uh, uh, the the live election report from from the count? <laughs> so, by a landslide, the winner <laughs> among our five ratings are, are... We only have five ratings, everyone, by the way, <laughs> uh, that go... From the top, Viscount Banger, mm -hmm. Best of the Best, all the way down to Ogron or Fixed Point in Time. Uh, by a landslide, Legend of the Sea Devils is an Ogron! Hey. A big, stinky Ogron. Not a good now. episode of Doctor Who. Now. And definitively, <laughs> this is like not just first past the post. This is the majority of votes. Like full, oh, yeah. A full 60% of votes went for Ogron yeah. on this one. There was, Sorry. Some people thought it was a Dalek. Very few, mm -hmm. like roughly around 15%. Same with Professor Hader. Um, mm -hmm. And a tinier proportion. Fixed, yep. fixed point in time. So That's right. No yeah, Viscount Bangers. It's, it's interesting. Fixed point in time, we usually give that to uh, people who are, you know, people who are nostalgic about a particular show and, and, and can't remember right. that reason. Can you really be nostalgic for Doctor Who that was on uh, two years ago? Uh, or no, <laughs> a, a year ago? Uh, or, or so, yeah. Interesting, interesting that you know, new fans being created all the time. Nostalgia well, for Doctor Who being created all the time. I'd suggest that probably the people who rated a fixed point in time probably think about the Doctor Yaz relationship and are a little uh, bit like, I, you know, I just don't want to uh, judge it either way. You know, like yeah. maybe they just sort of admire that the show went there, but also are conscious that this show, yeah, uh, we, this this particular story was not great. 
We did uh, we did mention that relationship, by the way, in our, in our side trip last week. Please check it out if you haven't already. The uh, the ten times the Doctor was cruel and cowardly, uh, mm, and the Doctor definitely qualifies. Of qualifies as one of those ten. Now, speaking of ratings on Legend of the Sea Devils, um, I, oh, no. I'm a bit of a little sea devil myself in the way that I like to invent new ratings. And uh, the one that felt right for this one was that it, it's beautiful. It's, it's, it's a love. There was so much money was spent. Lovely sets, you know, great costumes. Uh, the color was gorgeous. The under the sea part like that was almost Disney-esque. Uh, amazing stuff for Doctor Who. So I suggested that even though the, sto- the story was tissue thin, uh, it was kind of like beautiful wallpaper that just looked at you and want you, wanted you to admire it a lot. And mm. all, you could almost hear it saying, moisturize me, moisturize me. So I suggested a brand <laughs> new rating called the Lady Cassandra. Uh, Lady Cassandra from, from uh, New Earth and uh, End of the World. Uh, new Who fans are pretty familiar with her. If you if you started from the beginning, she's she's pretty prominent there. Played by Zoe Wanamaker, one of my favorite actresses of all time. Um, so yeah, I w- I was gung ho for Lady Cassandra. Pete, it's fair to say you were not. <laughs> it's fair to say I think <laughs> I was not. Uh, I've got five ratings, and now I guess we're going to have a sixth because we put the well, choice. We're a democracy now, by the way, everyone, and we put the choice to the fans. That's right. And Polter it looks like from the poll in the Spotify, we put it in a couple places. So we put it out on yeah. Twitter, and we put it out a question on Spotify. Um, and in both places, it looks like the Lady Cassandra rating got favorable reviews. <laughs> the rating That's got favorable right. ratings. Uh, just not... barely, I'm going to point out, this is like a 5-4 split on the Supreme Court, okay? Because yes. we, we had it. We have basically like it's, well, I'm looking at the poll right now we did on Twitter, and it's roughly like 57% to 43% uh, yes. in favor of the new rating. Yeah, I, I, I got to add to that uh, 57.1% versus 42.9% because <laughs> uh, we're going to fight over every tenth of a percent here. Um, oh, yes. Yeah, yeah this, this is, I got to admit, this is not a landslide victory like it was for the Ogron rating on Legend of the Sea Devils. This this may be the, the, the thing that tears Paul to open apart uh, at the seams as we, as we divide Brexit-like into our camps, pro and anti-Lady Cassandra. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry about yeah, this, it's folks. Very... It's it's there. Um, I would like to read <laughs> well, a Doctor comment who... from a certain uh, Pete Patchell yeah. who commented on uh, Spotify. Please, please no. <laughs> and I I will say my capitalization was uh, perhaps a bit uh, reserved compared to Mr. Chris Taylor who put <laughs> hell yeah in hell all yeah. caps. I. You know, I gotta say, when I left that rating, I didn't know that my name would be recorded. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I'm just gonna but, read. We got a, a few uh, regulars on the uh, listeners for the pod comment too, and I'd just like to read out at least one for the so one from yes. Ethan, uh, Ethan Melton, who comments on uh, uh, also on YouTube sometimes and has some really great things to say. Um, Ethan says, "No, I think it would complicate the rating system too much, and I think the idea of Doctor Who." that you put in the background isn't very interesting. Mm, I mirror much of this and mostly, mostly it's in my, my opinion is based on let's keep it simple, right? You know, five ratings is already a good, 
mount. I think that's good enough variety. <laughs> I was say that that ship has sailed, my friend. <laughs> that ship <sailed laughs> a like long time my ago. My son Jack is constantly like, "Why do you even have the Professor Hater? It's the same as an Ogron. You should just have one bad rating." And I was like, "Okay." No, so, no, the Professor Hater is so useful. <laughs> the proof is in the pudding. I mean, this this is. I, I didn't just come out with it up with this out of thin air. Okay, people, I'd, I'd like to announce on the victory platform. I'd like to talk to my opponents in this election. Uh, reach across the aisle and say this. This was really a heartfelt desire to come up with a rating for Doctor Who episodes like the Mutants that we uh, had previously done, where I felt like it's beautiful. Mutants are colorful, groovy, and the story's rubbish, but. I like looking at it, and I could imagine if I had a party full of Doctor Who fans, you know, this would be the kind of thing you put on the background, right? It's wallpaper. It's TV wallpaper. So I was already thinking about that before Legend of the Sea Devils. I, it was a feeling in search of a rating, which was also the case for the Professor Hater. Like, I didn't... <laughs> I, I feel like there are certain Doctor Who stories that you love to hate. That's kind of what the Professor Hater is. It, it does teach you something, or they tried something. You want to reward it. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm going to defend every new rating that we add to the system. <laughs> and you know what? It also gives us more side trips where we have to go back and uh, retcon our ratings. Well, listen, I, I, as the <laughs> as the person who has to seed victory here, all I'll say is your first mistake was turning on the TV at parties. <laughs> <laughs> Just don't do it. Just keep leave it off. People can, you know, converse among themselves and do whatever, and you know, you can have different lights. But TV is a party. No, no, don't do that. Okay. Strip don't your wallpaper it. while you're about it. Take take colorful things away. People do not like a nice colorful surround. <laughs> well, you um, can do you can do wallpaper. Um, yeah. I don't know if you'd want to do a Doctor Who story as a wallpaper, but we're doing it. So it's a special rating. We now have six ratings in the pull to open rating system, which of course will necessitate another retcon episode in some future season <laughs> where we go back and apply the Cassandra on various things yeah. that uh, we didn't get a chance to do the first time around. Awesome. Time I, can be rewritten even in the pull to open universe. That's right. And I do think that they're, you know, what this really is, it's, it's all of these new ratings are kind of springing out of the Ogron. Uh, because I think we are generally positive. <laughs> that is a weird <laughs> image just in my head. <laughs> Imagine them coming out of that monster that the Ogron worships uh, in Frontier and Space. Uh, <laughs> they're spewing out of that. Now, we're a generally positive podcast, and we, we do like to not denigrate something if we can kind of find a way, a reason around it. Right. I'm going to be hard-pressed to do that with Arc of Infinity, I'll just tell you now. <laughs> um, but but we we try you know we try to be generally positive in our outlook so it's instead of rating something in Ogron like the you know, multiple versions of that like the fixed point in time is that Professor Hater is that uh, yeah you know so so think positive thoughts about Doctor Who people okay well for those of us that have us on the TV as uh, wallpaper <laughs> you might be watching us on YouTube and if you're not hey. that's a thing you can do. Check us out there at youtube.com slash pull to open where you can see us. In addition to listen to us, you can also, that's a great place to leave one of those emoji titles that we like to torture Chris with all the mm. time. And I'm really desiring to do that again <laughs> right now for some reason. Oh <laughs> but you the can leave comments. We like, begun. 
<laughs> we like to read comments out on the show. Uh, and if you are watching on YouTube, here's your reminder to please like the video that you are watching right now. Uh, subscribe if you haven't and go ahead and hit that bell icon if you want some notifications every time we have new content. Yes. Oh, Smash that button you know, for our, for our controversy here that we are generating. Um, Chris, where else can people like leave comments and emoji titles? Oh, you know us? what? They can, they can do it on TikTok if they like at Pull to Open. Mm. Uh, or Twitter. Twitter, I'll say it again, <laughs> on Twitter at Pull to Open 63. Instagram and threads at Pull to Open 63. And Facebook at Pull to Open 63. Drop us a line. Drop us a emoji challenge. Uh, please tell us why Lady Cassandra is your favorite character. Uh, of all time and deserves immortalization in a rating system. And uh, speaking of uh, your desire to seek revenge and torture me uh, for the Lady Cassandra rating, <laughs> uh, it's I, I think it's time. I think it's time. It's we time. Me. It's yes. time for time. Been looking forward to this for the last two minutes. Um, <laughs> that's right. It's time for TLDW, how we begin all of our commentaries, which is uh, uh, Too Long Didn't Watch, Too Long Doctor Who, where one of us will summarize in record time the plot of the Doctor Who story we're about to talk about. And this week, that person is one Chris Taylor. Are you ready, yeah. sir? Uh, awesome. Well, I'd, I'd, I'd like to no, argue no. that... <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to argue... <laughs> so normally we give 30 seconds per, per classic series uh, story. However, I'd like to argue that uh, this, this thing has infinity in the title. Uh, therefore, I should be given <laughs> infinity seconds to explain. You know, you fooled me with Legend of the Sea Devils, and I only gave you the <laughs> extra 15 seconds out of self-interest. So that's not happening this time. You got don't, this. You got this. It's Amsterdam. My, my shadow proclamation lawyers. Okay. Uh, yeah. Running. It's Time Lords. This, Boom. Jerry, I just I did it. I just did your TLDW. <laughs> Amsterdam, Time Lords, Peter Davidson times two. Boom. Uh, yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll take that one. Um, all right. So we move on to our commentary. No, let's, let's do this thing. I found this story particularly unsticky. I will just say that. Mm -hmm. So I am standing here, not a hundred percent sure that I can recall it all, even now, even after having read episode summaries just before we recorded this. Um, I don't think I can. Well, but but let's see. We're about to find out just how what did stick here in the official pull to open summary of Arc of Infinity in three, two, one, go. Okay, so uh, we're on Gallifrey, and there's a creature that we do not yet know is Omega, uh, last seen in the Three Doctors in uh, antimatter space and driven a bit mad. And he's got a Time Lord um, traitor helping him uh, get uh, the Doctor's uh, biorhythms or whatever the heck it is out of the Matrix. And uh, the Doctor and Nessa are in the TARDIS, and then the, they go into something called the Ark of Infinity, or I guess Omega gets his... his imprint or something latches onto him and 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 uh and then doctors recalled to gallifrey and they're, they're like no we gotta we gotta execute you dude and uh by the way here's this humorless commander maxil who looks very familiar perhaps to you in the future um and uh but they so they think they execute him but no the doctor's actually been uh, taken into the matrix uh where omega's like i'm gonna let you go but like just don't interfere with my plans and doctor's like no i'm gonna stop you and, and then Omega lets him go anyway. One minute. And meanwhile, uh, 
uh, alongside all of this, uh, Tegan is in Amsterdam because her cousin uh, Colin is missing, and and uh, she's with a friend. The police don't want to investigate, and and she's trying to find him. And and she, they, they, what's happened to this dude? He's become a servant of Omega for some god awful reason. And uh, and then uh, anyway, uh, it, this all ends in Amsterdam with the the Doctor Tegan and Nissa running around after Omega, who has taken on Peter Davison's appearance and is falling apart Minute and 30. is looking at barrel organs and uh, and and they're, they're chasing after him uh, because they they've found the Time Lord traitor by this point and. Uh, Oh God, you know, and they just have to wrap things up. And the doctor's like, you know, trying, trying not to kill Omega, but then Omega wants, wants death and, and something happens that the doctor shoots him, I guess. And he blows up and, and then the doctor decides to say, uh, say take uh, Tegan back on the TARDIS again with him without even really mentioning what and happened. In time. Well, I got <laughs> <Okay>. that. <laughs> I, I, Normally, I'd say good job, <laughs> but in this case, I am just glad that I I got to time flight like right at the end there. Like I I that's that was the point. Which in watching Arc of Infinity, I was like, well, what the hell, Doctor? You're just gonna like not remember that you dropped her off at Heathrow Airport and didn't say goodbye. Anyway, right. That's, <laughs> that's where my brain went for Arc of Infinity. Most of Arc of Infinity was anywhere else other than Arc of Infinity. <laughs> it's, it's, it's I could tell your heart wasn't really in it. Uh, you did actually get to surprisingly get most of the story beats. I think, yeah, yeah. Um, just the sort of unsurety of like what the relevance of them and why they were happening. I think is probably yes. what affected your summary a bit. Um, yeah, Arc of Infinity. It's definitely, I would say, not a great opener to season twenty. Um, no. The season that is the it's this 20th anniversary of the show. They're very aware that it's the 20th anniversary of the show. They want to do some Returning homages. Yeah, they want to bring stuff back and and really you know tap into the show's rich history, which this ostensibly does by having the Time Lords and then bringing back, of course, the villain from the classic 10th anniversary episode, well, the Three Doctors. You say, uh, you say of course. Uh, however, anyone <laughs> watching this show would have had to remember it all the way back 10 years without any, well, okay, one repeat of the three doctors. Uh, but yeah, they, well, you know, in Australia, I, in Canada. Well, okay, <laughs> Australia and Canada, where you got Doctor Who 24 hours a day, and it was this Doctor <laughs> Who utopia. Oh, not that I'm still bitter about that as a Brit. That we didn't. I mean, the BBC could have had a Doctor Who channel. Uh, they had so much content. Anyway, um, yeah. Well, it's probably a good thing I didn't get to see, the, see this one again. Uh, all the three Doctors, like you know, I, I don't know that that's that would be uh, that would withstand multiple screenings. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, where I was going I, I with just, that is yeah. is that you, they they want to do these big epic things. They wanted to do something yes. that was. Um, you know, relatively huge in terms of the show. And you really just walk away from this one thinking, why didn't that feel epic? Like, wh mm. why is this it just seems low stakes and kind of dumb and uh, bland? Honestly, I'll say that this is probably the blandest Gallifrey has ever looked in it the entire really series. Uh, it, it's, yeah. It's yeah, hard to know what the right comparison is when you get to those Time Lord scenes, you, you feel like it's kind of just some sort of, I don't know, some hotel ballroom with a little extra marble, you know, like it, it just doesn't <laughs> feel right. Like it, it just doesn't feel grand. Like remember the, like the Panopticon set in the fourth doctor yes. era, 
Like, sure, it's done in the seventies, but you know, like they they did something that's like, oh, okay, this is a kind of a big deal. It's kind of a there's a dais and a you know there's places for people to stand and there's a balcony and and there's right. group places groups can sort of go around and like you get it. You know, it's like, oh, yeah. okay. This is a big there's deal. one scene. There's one scene on Gallifrey. Kind of looks like a, a church meeting where they've just sort of laid out these like you know uh, little crappy plastic chairs. You know, that it just yeah, you know, and, and they all go and sit down on it. And uh, Barusa, I guess, uh, says, "I don't believe he's Barusa for a second in any of this. <laughs> it doesn't feel Barusa-ish, just as it doesn't feel like Gallifrey." And and they sit down in these crappy chairs, and the Barusa's like, "The High Council of the Time Lords is now in session." And you're like, "Really? <laughs> could, could you not get any <laughs> grander chairs for the High Council?" Yeah. Like, it just well, also f- like, felt like you're about to talk about Tupperware. And is the High Council like four guys? Like, you know, I mean, and, <laughs> and, uh, it, it, and a lady. <laughs> well, and a lady, yeah. I mean, I, I'm using one, guys in the generic, but I mean, for numbers. <laughs> yeah, the it's, it's like. Time, time lady. Well, I remember, like in the Deadly Assassin, they would gather. There were there were groups, right, for with each of the mm. colors, and they and yes, that was sort of supposedly a. I, I think it's like the entire cabinet or something. So maybe it's not just the High Council, but yeah. you just wanted more of a sense. Like, why not go for more of a Parliament type feel, right? Yeah. And again, that obviously is going to cost you money in terms of sets and extras, and you got to sparse that around throughout the season. So maybe. Maybe they just didn't have the budget on this one, but it also is like, well, then, you know, why why try to do something super epic with the Time Lords if you're just not going to pay for it, and or, or blow all your money to give everyone plane tickets to Amsterdam? This is really what what ended up happening. Yes. Okay, so so let's talk about that. Let's talk about the why this is such a mess and the background yeah. to it. So. The writer is Johnny Byrne, who also did Keeper Traken. Uh, and I believe this this uh, he was commissioned to do this by uh, Eric Saywood. Uh, was that was Probably, the script yeah. at the time? Uh, and uh, he had seen Keeper Traken, but not realized that it was Chris Bidmead who did who basically rewrote that from scratch. Like it was major major editing job. You know, so didn't know it was Johnny Byrne. So there's a lot of you know, uh, not not discussing, not not discussing things between script editors. There really ought to be a meeting of all Doctor Who script mm. editors where you can pass on information like that. Uh, and meanwhile, John Nathan Turner just doesn't care about what the story is. He just wants to go to Amsterdam. He wants to do right. another City of Death. Right, that was what was sort of in his head. City of Death, set in Paris, you know, really well regarded Doctor Who story. Like, let's obviously the magic part of that was going to a European city. <laughs> you sure he didn't just want to go to Amsterdam? Like, I feel like this might be the first of one of these sort of notorious John Nathan Turner. Hey, I just it would be fun to go to this place. Why don't I just write well, a story or commission a story that takes place there? And I feel like he's done that in every season pretty much mm-hmm. up until he sort of ran out of money and the yeah. even even in season 19 where they don't do a lot of location stuff like he does the concord thing right because he thinks it'd be kind of cool to thing. go on a concord flight we so that's what we've come yeah. out he's learned the less he's learned the wrong lesson from season 19 which is like i'm just gonna spend my money on going somewhere cool or getting a cool location in this case concord 
Um, we're going to get the first Concord on British television. And, you know, who cares about the story? Who cares if we have the special effects to do two Concords as required by the script in uh, primeval Earth? Anyway, so that's why they go to Amsterdam. And it's just sort of, it's like Johnny Byrne's original script, which I, I know you, you've you've looked at as well. It's sort of, uh, Kind of, kind of more well regarded than Ark of Infinity is. It, it had this. Oh, the original, the original story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah, yeah. Story so yeah, that he submitted. Yeah, it was, it was totally different. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but Go it ahead. Was about this, um, it was kind of a cool use of Amsterdam. I thought much cooler than what they ended up with, uh, which was like they arrive. I mean, like they arrive in Amsterdam in the future, and they find that there's like it's a future dystopia where there's this this ruler who turns out to be. A figure called the Avatar, who gains its energy when the Doctor regenerates. So that's mm. interesting. Uh, we love us some uh, regeneration stories here on on Pull to Open, and regeneration storylines were to feature sort of in Mordred and Dead later this season. And this could have been something cool along that too. It, it is eventually uh, in that script. The Doctor overcomes the the Avatar by reliving his most recent regeneration. Mm. Now, how about that? Would be an awesome story. Like that's talking about. That's basically a, a metaphor for for trauma therapy, right? You just have to relive the trauma that you go through, and you know that the monster goes away, right? It's so so. That's got some interesting, deep adult themes to it to kind of you know uh make would have made yeah. us i think a much more lasting story but we didn't get that well i i like what they did with regeneration and regeneration energy and um modern undead so it seems like mm. elements of that story sort of made their way there but mm. uh i think just regeneration in general is just such a interesting rich thing to explore and they've done a little bit of that certainly with well maybe not so too great effect with the timeless children and that whole arc but i mean I, i'm almost like surprised it took them to this season it took them 20 years to really sort of start doing anything hmm. sort of interesting with that and the new series has gone a little overboard with like being fast and loose with what regeneration energy can do right. but i like the idea of other races besides the time Lords being fascinated and interested in this sort of way they achieve immortality. You'd think there'd be more of that. This more of like, yeah. Hey, time Lords, one of the greatest powers they have is they're basically immortal. You know, if ever by accidents, um, you, you kind of want to <laughs> see a little more of that sub subterfuge and like, like the people who are what you might call like time aware, like time Lord aware, mm. um, constantly, uh, striving for that and you know trying to develop diabolical plots to uh, capture this technology because it's obviously possible because uh, what's yeah. her name Tektuin or whatever her name was did it to uh supposedly the well the doctor i guess and then then got her power and gave it to the time lords i mean if if the timeless child uh, storyline is to be believed Oh boy. Uh, yeah, let's not go there, but let's, uh, but certainly this notion of a monster that, that feeds off the doctor's regeneration energy. I right. love that idea. Cause you know, that that's new who ish in the sense of, yeah, exploring the, the ramifications of, of the doctor blundering around the universe, the way that he does, uh, you know, suggesting that there are more consequences than, than he is aware of feels so new who ish. Mm. Would love to, love to have seen that explored in the uh, classic series, but no, it was all blown away. And why? Because they wanted a returning villain. 
and right. uh, it was just it was a diktat that came down, and it wasn't even J and T who who suggested it. It was this uh, was his name Ian Levine. He was like this this fan. He was like mm-hmm. the yeah. fan ambassador, I guess, to to J and T. He was like, ooh, ooh, Omega, ooh, yeah, we haven't seen him in a while. Um, well, I, I think, and you think like J and T is and. Yeah, yeah, and JNT is coming off a very successful reboot of the Cybermen just now, so mm-hmm. I think he's a little bit on like, oh, what else can I pull out of the Doctor Who mythos and like tweak a bit and and restore? I gotta say, I don't, I don't hate that they used Omega. I think you know it's a fine sort of well to go back to here and there. I mean, not really a well. There's only been like two or three stories, uh, maybe a, one more if you count the novels or something, on bringing Omega back. Uh, and getting getting and mining stuff from that, uh, I got to think. I, I will say, like having started at season twenty, this is this was like my. I think this was my first taste of Omega, because mm-hmm. again, like when I was first watching Pertwee, I was sort of in and out, and I think I saw this before I saw the Three Doctors, and then you sort of seeing that backwards. I think probably it, it's, it's not as great a reveal, but it is still decent reveal. You do get like. Oh, there's there's some history here, and I think it's referencing an old episode. And I remember the first time I saw it, thinking like, "Oh wow, I look forward to watching whatever episode the Omega's from because right. this is clearly a callback to that." <laughs> yeah, I mean, you sort of get that. You you get no explanation of Omega. That is the number one most infuriating thing of Arc of Infinity is that the stakes are never truly explained. Uh, it's a lot of techno well, babble about antimatter in the Matrix. You do get head in saying he's the first and greatest of us all, the one who gave us mastery of time and was then shamefully abandoned in return. Um, so, like, that's your two second elevator pitch on who Omega is, mm. which I think does its job. You know, it is a little like, oh wow, so this guy, he's the first, basically the first Time Lord or something like that, and uh he's he's uh, the greatest in a sense like uh, like um, even though Rassilon omega there's a you know i guess maybe a debate on which one is more powerful and more influential but it does right. give you that quick summary and i remember thinking at the time like oh yeah okay this this guy has some kind of serious power but it turns out it's like more reputation <laughs> than anything else mm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's I. I don't know. I'm just not ready to let go of that notion of like, yeah. Even if it's Omega, maybe have Omega like trying to pick up on the Doctor's regeneration signature and and, and doing that. And you know, maybe you know what? I mean, I'm just head canoning this all over the place, which is kind of a sure sign that it's uh, the, the script is bad. If I'm you know head canoning at the rate of one a minute, um, yeah, just just have have the watcher in here as well the watcher was never explained the mm. notion of because here we are in davison era davison is will in the next season become the first doctor to uh regenerate without uh some sort of aid there right there's always been an aid from from poetry to baker there was you know the 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 little floating what's his name uh then there was sure the yeah you know, right. The, the Time Lords did it, and you know, um, when when well, uh, Triton regenerates, explicitly says that the TARDIS helped. Um, you know, so so this would be an opportunity to to kind of bring in a little more mystique around regeneration, right? To to go from a regeneration that was aided to one that wasn't, 
you know, this this kind of might be the the crux point on which that would hang, and we could get some sort of explanation for why it goes. From well, maybe I don't know. Well, first of all, I, I don't think yeah. did did Hartnell didn't really have an aid though, right? Like Hartnell just sort of renews well, himself. Well, like I said, Tr- Troughton is just Troughton says, yeah, the TARDIS helped me renew myself, or right. something like that. Well, arguably, like the Davison was in the TARDIS when he regenerated. Oh, well, oh no, yeah. wait, yeah. No, he wasn't. He yeah, wasn't. He was. Sorry. When Baker. No, he was. Well, that was that was that was that was later. Davison though. to, Davison to Baker. Davison yeah, to I'm Baker. That, that's about, Sorry, I thought you meant yes. Baker to Davison we, when he wasn't in the TARDIS, right? Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. No. So that, that, no. That he had the watcher. Had the watcher. Yeah. 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 That, well, anyway, like, like. Watcher. Sorry. Sorry. I, I, I think all that's interesting, and yeah, there, mm. there's a story to be written there. I think if this idea hasn't been realized in Big Finish or elsewhere, I think there's they should definitely take it and, and run mm. with it uh, at some point in the new series, uh, or wherever. Or sorry, that RTD is going to take it next. But it's all well and good to talk about what Arc of Infinity could have been. I think we need to sort of judge it <laughs> based on what it is, right? And okay. I, I don't think it's a terrible episode. Like, but like as I was saying in the sort of expectations department it's it's high because it's the season 20 and you're doing all these things um and it just ends up being kind of a an episode of the week a sort of like filler almost mm-hmm. and it does some good things you know like I, w- when you get past the disappointment of it um the things that i think work are so tegan coming back and being um uh, you know, her interactions with th- both Robin and, you know, coming back with the doctor and Nyssa at the end and being like one of the catalysts that sort of brings them to Amsterdam. That's all fine. Uh, I think Nyssa in particular is really well served because she's, she finally gets to sort of be an action star and blast a ton of guards with her staser which has mm. become almost like it's become a meme you know and on doctor who <laughs> twitter and other places like that that nissa pointing the staser when she bursts into the the i want to call it the throne room or whatever wherever that the, the high, like high council meets like that's yeah. a that's just sort of a famous thing now apparently originally dnt yeah, they wanted to bring Leela back, which would make total mm. sense. They actually make a mention of her. Uh, that, that's another thing this story does. It's really obsessed with continuity. Um, it really is. In a weird kind of way. to its detriment. To it. It's a little yes. too much, uh, too obsessed about it. But I like that, you know, as much as I would have loved to see Louise Jameson again, I like that it forces Nyssa to step up and basically be this action star. And, and, she, and the thing is, Sarah Sutton delivers, I think. Like, she does a great performance when she realizes the doctor is going to be killed uh, it's, and it's tearing her apart. Like, and she has to sort of go through this thing and watch him be executed, but it seems to awaken something in her. Like, she's like, no, like this is basically like, whether it's her dad or like whatever relationship you want to ascribe to those two, like she steps up and she grabs a gun and is like, no, I'm going to save him this time. And I'm going to get him back to the TARDIS and we're going to, we're going to, escape and it's it's just great to watch uh watch her sort of take command halfway through this thing you know it, it seems increasingly like this is the story that is going to tear pull to open apart uh, <laughs> you didn't like Nissa blowing away you. people i'm gonna disagree with you on both of those points but first okay so tegan first yeah. of all like the the worst way to reintroduce a companion ever like, uh, oh, I wonder who Colin's cousin is. And, and just the, the Colin and Robin 
and and I cannot say those two together because I watch uh, What We Do in the Shadows without thinking Colin Robinson. Um, Colin, Colin and Robin <laughs> okay. are these two deep backpackers. At deep deep cut for I know we have some uh, What We Do in the Shadows fans out there. Um, okay, so so this is the story of Doctor Who that has perhaps the most um, hotel or hostel receptionists ever. Uh, there is an interminable <laughs> amount of time spent talking to these receptionists about where where Colin has gone. No, he left this message for you. No, just a minute. He said he was Australian. And what? Why? Oh God! It just sort of feels like bad, bad eighties soap opera. Like uh, there was a, a soap in the eighties yeah. in the UK called Crossroads that was set in a motel uh, with a lot of like check in and check out scenes, right? It just felt like filler. Uh, and this does as well. So I don't think Tegan is well served. I wasn't like curious about who Colin's cousin is. The whole thing with Colin and Robin made no sense to me. And then uh, Colin gets grabbed by Omega and turned into a zombie, which sort of the way that Colin is being played, uh, is it makes it kind of look like, uh, he is, uh, like in a in a PSA an eighties after school special for like don't do heroin kids like he's kind of shambling along like a zombie and he's got red eyes and you're like don't yeah. don't go to Amsterdam and do drugs people um so that why does that Omega, just to, just to jump on that for a second like why does yeah. he even need slaves like he's got the ergon yeah yes. you know like he, the ergon could just install stuff why why do you need a human to to run around and what like he has this gun that ostensibly transports them on the TARDIS, his TARDIS. But uh, like, again, why, why go to the trouble of transmatting them when you can just grab them? Like why, why again, like I, this is what I hate about shows that use this advanced technology to do things that you could just do like normally, like just grab them and drag them into the TARDIS. You don't need to beam them in there. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. I've really got lost around what was happening around there. It was just so... I, so I mean, the answer is they just wanted to psych also. you out and make you think yeah. they were disintegrated. And But then yeah. it's like, once they do that one time, uh, first of all, it's a yeah, dumb psych, psyched. but second of all, mm-hmm. then you're never psyched again, and it's just, okay, this is, I guess, what they do. Yeah, they, okay. And, and then meanwhile, you have Nyssa, who... I don't think is is well served by this episode at all. I think so. She starts off basically nagging the doctor. You know, we we finally get an insight into what the the doctor and Nissa alone in the TARDIS would look like, and it's basically just like he's he's a he's a hen pecked husband doing honeydews uh, in this. He's he's like <laughs> she's like why like the audio like we don't have audio on the scanner doctor you said you'd fix it doctor why didn't you fix it doctor and by the way doctor why isn't there a state of temporal grace like you said there was like she's just like i i wouldn't uh uh look askance at the doctor for just dropping Nissa off after this like that's not maybe this is why he he welcomes tegan back but maybe he could say something like oh my goodness thank you i've been uh you know this has been on my well, case. I, I kind of like that. I actually like the scene because <laughs> it's a little bit like him calling him out on his bullshit and just kind of, you yeah. know, I like it. It sort of emphasizes their, there's more familiarity between the two of them. This is their home. Uh, they're kind of living together. And uh, I, I, you know, th- this is a, it's a little bit of obsession with continuity here, but it also yes. is good. At, at this point, it isn't annoying because I do like that they essentially, 
um, you know, cover a couple of plot points really quickly. One that, okay, the scanner how has uh, audio, which for, I, I don't know if anyone noticed it didn't <laughs> for a <laughs> while. Like I, I guess it lost it at some point and I, who knows? Um, but I guess they needed it later. I guess even in this episode where Hedden or sorry, the Lord president's talking to the doctor through the, the artist or so I guess they needed it. But, um, the other one with temple grace was great because I'm sure basically mm. the John Nathan Turner and others heard about stuff between seasons, certainly post earth shock, like, Hey, wait a minute. The cyber member just shooting up the whole console room. But the, the, the doctor said this years ago. And yes. I like that it's In a non-answer. Time, right? mm-hmm. um, yeah, well, yeah, the, the, yeah there was the uh, the Santarans. The Santarans already broke yes. that role. Yeah, so the Santarans did that. The Cybermen did a nurse shock. So, like, it's clearly doesn't exist, this function mm-hmm. that the Doctor is uh, talking about. But I also do like he just gives a non-answer. Like, eh, nobody's perfect. Uh, well, he said, it's just he kind said of a confession. No, kind of a confession, I guess. Like, he just... Does that mean there is a temporal grace, but he just didn't fix it? Like, is that another no, thing that he needs to add to his list? Or I, I like it. I like that it's not an answer, though. Like, I like that it is like you guys make up what you want. You know, like we're just not even going to answer you. I, I do like that because it is like fans like us obsess about things, but I think the show shouldn't and should mm. is is a little I, I i don't think this is necessarily a mean way to do it but it is a good little reminder like you know who cares did you like the story you know like <laughs> yes it has to make sense and we should strive to be internally consistent to a point but yeah there's there's also like come on earth shock was a classic like didn't you like that like who cares if there's definitely yeah. or not like, yeah, I mean, okay, it's it's yeah, it's a bit of a weird thing. Kind of throws it, kind of sticks out like a sore thumb. The level of fan service in Arc of Infinity and references to past shows, like it would make sense in an era where people could go back and watch other stories anytime they wanted. But hmm. like, yeah, who who remember who remembers even Invasion of Time at this point? Like that's that's six years earlier. Uh, well, they're not. They're not know, referencing that. They only. They only reference. But, well, he okay. He does reference it in te- in terms of saying. Oh sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, there is. He's the presidential code. Yeah, the presidential and the presidential code yeah, as well. Because he was Lord President, yeah. he does that. That that yeah. was a nice little callback. So, like, some of these are okay, but I think they get a little bit obsessed with it. Certainly, like the scanner. I mean, we talked. They talked about um, the, all the Gallifrey stuff is is mm-hmm. um there's a bunch of callbacks like they talk about how like there's precedent for the death penalty on gallifrey uh only once they've only done it once before and that's mm-hmm. pretty clearly a reference to morbius uh because it was made clear in that episode like he was basically executed um the the ergon is another one where the doctor talks about it's like uh, he actually says it's one of its less successful attempts at psychosynthesis, which <laughs> is, I think, consciously a meta comment on how bad the costume is. Like the Ergon looks like yeah. this skeletal bird guy. That's a it little like, okay. Like a I guess I'll go with it. It looks like a, an extra from from like a a Muppet sketch sent set in a haunted house. You know, I think it. Like. I think it honestly looks okay, and it could look even better with just some minor tweaks. I think the problem is it, there's. It's clearly like a dude who can't see, like where like it doesn't <laughs> move in an interesting way. It's just some 
person kind of waddling around in a bird head. And I think if, mm-hmm. if they had thought about not just how it looked, but like how a person would move in that and what this creature, you know, does it have a body language of any kind, even if it's just a rudimentary one, I think that could have worked, but as such, it's so, just, it's literally a rubber suited Dr. Who monster. So the Ergon was in it before was it has been in Doctor Who before? No, sorry. Um, I think that's a reference when he talks about his less successful attempts at psychosynthesis. It's sort of talking about this is oh, the gel creatures oh from um, from the three doctors, but done differently. So basically he's gotten a little better at because the gel creatures in the three doctors are basically blobs that make dumb noises. But the Ergon's, I mean, you know, notwithstanding the sort of bad costume, it is more sophisticated because it could, you know, it's a, it's a biped, it has a gun, it seems to be able to do sophisticated tasks. Um, so it seems like Omega's gotten a little better at doing whatever he does in sort of constructs. And he's decided to focus on Got just it. one. So, you know, that's a little bit uh, of headcanon I'm bringing to that, but yes. it is, uh, yes. it all makes sense. It's so funny that, that all of these callbacks like have to have to be explained you know, to dig into them, and and some of them bring up more questions than they answer. Like you know, the doctor yeah. says he's sorry to miss Leela and Andred's wedding. Well, how did he know about it? Did he get an invite? And why didn't he go? And he's a time traveler. Like if if he was too busy, like what what is this? And and it may huh. be. Maybe, you know, you want to headcanon this as a reference to the way that the Doctor just really doesn't like uh, ex-companions' boyfriends slash, right, yeah. slash husbands. Uh, and we talked about that recently on Pull to Open. And uh, maybe, may, yeah, maybe he's got that in, got it in for Android as well. Poor Android. Yeah. Um, so but we've, we talked what about, about callbacks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was going to say... I'm amazed that we have got this far in in uh, a review of Arc of Infinity without mentioning Commander Maxwell and Colin Baker <laughs> and just the weirdness of it. Because I've got to say, I yeah, so I remembered that Colin Baker was in Arc of Infinity. It's sort of like the one thing that a casual fan might know about Arc of Infinity. Like Colin Baker plays this other role, and you there's always that clip that you see from it. Um, from uh from like uh episode two or something he's in it so much like yeah. he's he's not just a background character he's in it as much or if not more than peter capaldi is in uh the fires of pompeii you know oh absolutely yeah it's a full-on colin baker appearance no wonder after he played this role did he say oh now now i can't play the doctor yeah it's funny um, you said speaking of callbacks this is obviously a call forward which, uh, exactly. <laughs> of course, you know, we respond to all calls here on Pulse Open. Um, <laughs> we do. <laughs> calls back and calls forward in time. But yeah, it does kind so, of beg the question of like, I, I, I just really wish that they had yeah. in, in the next season kind of, you know, done what they did for Capaldi. Just said, just admitted that this is a face that the Doctor has seen before. Yeah, I mean, you can if you have something interesting to say, I guess. The... Well, I will say, like, uh, I'm talking about the things that work. I think you got some good points about Tegan. We disagree on this, uh, but like, I definitely think Maxwell works. Like, yes, he's this is one of the better parts of the episode. Like, Colin Baker comes in and he understood the assignment and probably too mm-hmm. well. I, I think I, I read somewhere that John Nathan Turner actually had to tell them to dial back 
the presence a little bit in that like, hey, like you're not the star of the show. And of course, ironically, it would <laughs> yes. turn out to be the star of the show. But he's really like he sort of has clearly thought about the character and like, OK, this guy's, um, you know, dick, a little bit sadistic. He's definitely the person in charge who's once you hand him a gun, he's going to round up a dozen people just for the heck of it. Um, though he also gives him, there's enough lines in there to give him an ounce of integrity because when the Castellan mm-hmm. approaches him in episode three about like, what, what did you think of that execution? It seemed a little weird. And he's like, yeah, I did. And he goes like, go check it out. And he comes back to him with information. That's like, not only like, was it weird? Actually, the doctor's companions were right about the bio like yeah. he's like they you know i'm i've i've the facts are the facts dude like we might not like them but this is happening so you know i do like it that you don't quite come around to liking maxwell but it is like he's not just there to push people around and uh, shoot peter davison yes i think you know in search of uh, positive things to say about arc of infinity because as i said we we are a podcast that tries to be mostly positive so if if i'm going to put my most positive face on arc of infinity it is the fact that peter davis and colin baker are, are are just our stars and they they deal with a a lifeless script with it they give it full commitment 110 percent from both of them which makes 220 percent uh of uh, doctor who acting um they, they, they're great they, they they both get the assignment like davison he to his credit he always did this like he acted the hell out of the role no matter how dumb the line was coming out of his mouth uh yeah and, and he's and there are some dumb lines in this one yeah. yes <laughs> there's a dumb <laughs> line i mean there's jumped on mine? there's one at the end where you wonder why they even put it in where he talks about like why they're even in amsterdam and the problem is it's just techno babble he just says oh this is on the curve of the arc and it's below sea level and the fusion thing works or whatever and it's just it's supposedly to explain it away but what it does is draw attention to the fact that yeah. they're in amsterdam and there's no reason for them to be in amsterdam at that time like like why why in the, all of the universe that Omega presumably yeah. has to choose from. He's chosen contemporary Earth. He's chosen the place where Tegan happens to be. And he actually goes to a place where he could be easily discovered, which makes no yeah. sense. And it, you have all of time and space and you chose there? That's bizarre. Like, why would you shouldn't say, you shouldn't even say anything, in other words. Like, it's like, <laughs> it is what it is. So, because it's it, like, I mean, by the way, speaking of being easily discovered, again, the story hinges on the police essentially being incompetent. Like yes. both Robin and Tegan go to the police and say, Hey, there's this guy. He was, he was last seen in this crypt. Like we're telling you exactly where to start looking and he's missing and they just ignore them and don't do it. But I mean, think about it. If like, you know, sometimes we like to talk about if the evil plot had succeeded, but I'm like, they're, they're, the evil plot should have been shut down right away. Like the cops should have been like there, discovered the TARDIS. And then what? They're, they're, he's just going to zap them all with the ergon, and then until like people call the national guard or whatever. Like, I mean, you, the jig is up, dude. Yeah, no, nobody cares about Australian tourists. I think is the is the <laughs> message there. It's a bit of a confusing one. Um, yeah, yeah, it's 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 a strange setup, but yeah, you know what? With the benefit of hindsight, I think it's it's so easy to say. And in fact, I, I was kind of yelling at the screen in my mind in episode four, like just say that Amsterdam is a rift. 
you know, don't come up with this nonsense about infinity and just say it's a rift in space and time. And you know, the, the way the way that the Cardiff was explained away, like why why do they keep going back to Cardiff? RTD obviously knew that they would have to do that. It's it's so easy with benefit of hindsight yeah. to come up with a reason. Yeah, so, sci-fi thing is happening here. Boom! There you yeah. go. That's what. Yeah. Well, that's what yeah. ghosts are, <laughs> etc. So much techno babble in this that that I honestly got lost. I don't understand the whole antimatter matter thing. I understand that they're they're not supposed to join, but then Omega does appear. But then the collision of matter and antimatter is that is that why his face is melting? Um, yeah, I, I that the, the whole end there is bizarre. Like it doesn't work with what they've said. And the thing is, you already have kind of a rich canvas with matter and antimatter. I think you could do something visually interesting. But mm. all that stuff where his his mask is like bleeding or dripping and it mm. starts to squeeze and in the it's already sort of lighting up in the first place, which is, again, all for some reason, every villain's mask or helmet had to blink uh, back in the classic series. Fair enough. But uh, you, you're kind of made you're fooled and not fooled, but you're thinking like, is the, if this is a creature, am I seeing the actual creature or is it an outfit? Right. Because you don't know it's Omega yeah. at this point. And then you like you, you realize, oh, it's Omega. Once it's revealed, if you know the three doctors, you're thinking, oh, he's just a nothing under there. He's just a will. Like this is obviously a, mm-hmm. an, his new outfit. Um, and I guess that's what that is. But if he's not there, like that was sort of the conundrum of the three doctors. There, there was sort of, I'm trying sort of vaguely to remember that, but I, I think one of the problems that there was no matter, there was nothing, you know? Mm-hmm. So like, how is he transferring to matter now when he's antimatter or like, he's not even anything, you know, like, yeah. so, so that, that, that's something they never explain. Um, it's not clear. Is his TARDIS antimatter is his other, like what's antimatter once you're on board Omega's TARDIS. Like, I think the way things turn out, I think it is just him who's antimatter and somehow that suit is keeping him uh, from destroying everything. Right. So in other words, like if you assume there is a thing there that then needs to be transferred, he's just come into our universe, but he's used the arc, which apparently has this Q star stuff that can shield antimatter. So he grabs some of that Q star stuff on the way in by going through the arc and uses it to shield himself through that suit but it decays rapidly, right? So he has to transfer. And so he transfers. <laughs> I feel like you should just in a blackboard. You should do I have a blackboard behind you, Pete, as you're saying all this. It's, see, it's easy. It's obvious. See, the argument over here, and the transfer is over here, and the antibody is blasting it. A, a child could get this. Sorry. Go yeah, come on, Chris. Dude, the arc. <laughs> The suit. No, but it, I think it's it, it's it's made less obvious. Like, it, first of all, it's not obvious because you do need a blackboard to do this. But to the extent that the visual, like you're telling a visual story through television, that the visuals are supposed to help you tell that story, they just confuse. So like at the yes. end there, where he's just dripping from his helmet, like you really are like, what what is even going on? Uh, mm. I will say, here's the thing what I like about that whole sequence, though, because you're, you're confused and it's like, what? It's when he takes off the mask yes. and it's Davison yes. underneath. And you're yes. just like, oh, oh, yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't, I didn't understand all the antimatter stuff, but like, yeah, they, they made a big deal about him using the doctor's biodata. It would make total sense. Yeah. Now he looks exactly like him. 
he was he was bonding to the doctors via data which which kind of you know that that has not aged well as a phrase because of course now we think of like bonding in an emotional sense like have you have you bonded <laughs> with the doctor yet omega have you have you guys had on really good dates together uh have you they like you the word bonding I don't know what they had the ion bonder in the previous season and stuff. Yeah, there, there's a lot of bonding going on in eighties Doctor so, Who. It's super weird. It's worth it though for like that. Yes, as, as you say, the moment he takes the helmet. First of all, helmet. I love the design. Uh, you know, very very yeah. beautifully done. Uh, doesn't look as good in kind of a reverse like the antimatter view of Omega. It kind of looks like it really focuses on these sort of insect-like eyes that he has on the front, and it just looks cartoonish in that form for some reason. But the actual mask, the actual, you know, not, not reversed film version uh, is, right. is beautifully designed. And yes, taking the mask off and revealing Davison, like I got uh, Empire Strikes Back vibes from that, mm. which, uh, you know, was just two years earlier. Uh, you know, where, where Luke discovers that is it's his face in the, the dream where he's fighting Vader in the cave and Dagobah. Right, right. Um, and also the prisoner vibes. Uh, spoiler alert for if you were queuing up for the first time, the prisoner. Uh, the last episode features uh, the prisoner, Patrick McGugan, uh, take you know, finding out the number one is himself. Da, 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 you know, and it's it's nice if it had any meaning whatsoever. Like if if you played with that notion of like, oh, he's become the Doctor now. Like maybe the Doctor had evil in him all along, or like as. But and then it is completely undercut, like almost everything in Ark of Infinity, undercut within five minutes by the fact that they have Peter Davison chasing uh, Peter Davison Peter through Davison. the streets. <laughs> yeah. But at some point, he gets like, is it? I, I don't know. It's just like now Peter Davison is chasing Peter Davison's stunt double in yes. the mask. Yeah, it's, it's unfortunate. Well, I do think. I don't know if they do a lot of duality in this, but I the, perhaps the best scene even in the whole story is where Omega now in the form of Peter Davison is sort of wandering the streets of Amsterdam and comes upon the sort of puppeteers and the, the little sort of carnival thing where there's this little crowd gathered and he gets this taste of life that he clearly <laughs> hasn't had in eons. And there's the kid that runs by him and he's a little annoyed at that. And he's, but then the kid sort of smiles at him and he kind of smiles back. And he's, he's kind of like, you kind of get a sense of maybe he's not the megalomaniac everyone makes him out to be. Maybe there is some depth here and maybe what was everyone worried about on a, on a big level. Um, And it's 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 obviously immediately he, he gets the goop on his hands and has to run away, but so so as soon as it gives you that it it takes it away, but you want more there. You really want to go further and like, wait a minute, what's the deal with this guy? And how mm. how would that have played out if he did come back? I, I I'd like to know. <laughs> it's interesting that you got those vibes from that scene because the vibes I got were, my God, we let children do anything in the in the early eighties. Like you know, this here's this weird dude with like stuff dripping off his face. He kind of leers <laughs> at this kid, which that has well, not aged stuff, well. He doesn't have stuff dripping off his face yet. He has. He doesn't even know okay. he's degenerating. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, <laughs> but he's got he's goop just, on his hands, and he's well, he leering at a small no- child. 
Okay, uh, settle down. Yeah, I'm just saying <laughs> that this this is not this scene has not aged well, and that you could not film that today without like the parents. I, I disagree. Like, I, I, I I don't think he's leering. He's kind of smiling. It's just people. <laughs> you're reading way too much into that. He he's he's having a moment as a person, as a human being, uh, or Time Lord being, and he's just kind of like, oh, okay. So so it almost like his all of his stuff that happened up until then you know, even his yelling, he's going to build a TARDIS and I'm going to come to Gallifrey, which seems like idle threats. I just think, I think, it, you know, there, there's something my son said after we watched it. And even though my kids both thought this was a pretty mad episode, he's like, well, what was the problem? Why didn't they just help Omega? Like he just mm. wanted to come back. Right. Like why were, yeah. why was it such a bad guy thing? And it's like, good, mm. really good question. <laughs> like why does, what did they just what, yeah. help him out? I, the other interesting thing about that scene is my, my other reaction was, my God, we were easily entertained in the early 80s. I mean, that is a dull-ass organ. It's like there's, visually <laughs> we speaking, there's like one thing moving on it. And like there's right. a tiny puppet or something. And it's playing like tulips from Amsterdam at a very slow speed. And it's just, it doesn't seem compelling at all. Like why, why mm. would I get just, did Omega want to play the organ when he was a when he was a boy? And like this is reminding him of his childhood love of music, uh, or they just don't have a lot of music on Gallifrey, or like what is going on? Like, and they just lingered on that organ. Couldn't yeah. you find something more entertaining or amusing, visually interesting in Amsterdam? It's Amsterdam. probably not. <laughs> 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 or if you if you did, it would probably be a little more R rated. Right, right. Omega strays into the red light district and suddenly <laughs> finds out what it means to be alive. Uh, oh wow, yeah. this God, this I'm side sorry, trip of this in- arc of infinity <laughs> that you didn't you never asked for. <laughs> My oh, God, that's so the sorry, uh, that's the Harlequin will- romance short trips <laughs> for <laughs> Doctor Who shippers or something. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Yes. I'm so sorry. Uh, you know, I mean, maybe one of the reasons why I have such a hard time with Ark of Infinity is that uh, a character called Taylor is uh, killed very early on a time Lord. Yeah. Uh, well, and it's also like, is even going on there? I don't know. I don't know what's going on there. He has a dumb line. He asks like, is that an impulse laser when it's being pointed right at him? It's a little like, really? That's happy to see me. (laughs) That's your thought. That's the line you're doing. Oh Um, yeah. Yeah. And that then, then he's kind of mentioned in by other people, like and you know, like it's not at all clear that that's who they're referring to. They just keep well, bring, we talked about how Taylor. how sort of visually dull and uh, lame that the Time Lords and Gallifrey are. I mean, they're also dumb, right? Like, I mean, <clears throat> this is it sort of there's some dumb writing here that should have been thought through. That yeah, like why would not why would the Time Lords not take seriously a murder that I I think doesn't happen all that often on Gallifrey, certainly not in a sensitive place, like where these, these high level technician guys are. Um, and, and think that is probably related to the crisis that is now besetting the universe here. Like, I mean, like you'd think that was something they would just be instantly on alert about. Right. And then there's, you would think so. And and then there's the issue of like why why don't time lords regenerate when they get killed in this story? Yeah, well, there's right. that. I mean, Which that is- that I don't mind so much because that was just kind of what they did 
in classic who like the time lords weren't as unkillable as as they're sort of regarded now and new but the just the whole idea of like let's execute the doctor and that'll solve our problem it also doesn't make sense within sort of the even how the time lords are defining the problem right because the time lords are assuming that the bio data issue the doctor's bringing up is a non-issue that it's like well the the creature is going to transfer uh, anyway right like it maybe it doesn't need your bio data maybe it's just the power of it is huge well if that's the case how does the killing the doctor fix anything because if it can do that by your own assumption it's just going to bond with some other time lord so like why do it you know like now you're you're killing a person who could actually help you solve the problem um yeah just just really kind of not really thought through writing here that just uh, sort of breaks mm. down even as you're watching it. You you could kind of say that like all of, all of the sins of Doctor Who that that led to the series cancellation are here uh, in evidence at, in in Arc of Infinity. You know, in in the presence of Colin Baker, who would you know it's doing an outstanding job as you know playing playing commander maxwell as an asshole who still you know does it by the book um you know taking that performance and then applying it to the doctor a year later would would arguably not not work and hasten the the near cancellation of the show that it's suffered under colin baker and hmm. but yes fundamentally it is the fact that they are asleep at the switch in terms of just your number one goal is to produce a good story. Uh, yeah. Produce a story with characters that we care about, with with stakes that are clear, uh, and uh, not a lot of time given to hotel receptionists. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, and Absolutely. And, like that. And don't don't waste don't waste your time on that sort of thing. Well, they waste so much here, and I got to say, one of the things that is wasted is Michael Goff as a head in. So the Doctor's friend, we haven't talked about him. And it they brought back um, uh, Goff, who has also played the Celestial, Celestial Toymaker, toy right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously went on to do lots of things, including playing Alfred in some of the Batman movies. So really great actor. Um, but he's so forgettable in this role. Yeah, and so he's, he's he gets very little screen time. Um, he The main thing he does is kind of one, point a gun at the president and... Uh, Nissa at uh, a little later, but he then he just sort of waves a pen around in in a yeah. silhouette, and and it's not even him, right? Like I don't think Goff did the the voices when he's for some dumb reason disguising his voice to mm. oh, when he's talking one on one with Omega. There's a bunch of those scenes, uh, which unfortunately haven't aged well either. And he's he's just kind of there. You kind of like you, you're not even quite thinking who's that guy? Like, he seems like he's, I've seen him before. Like you honestly, like I had to look it up almost like, like, Oh, I guess that is him. Like, because his performance and the character doesn't stand out in any way. Like it's just, Oh, it's the doctor's buddy. Also like yet another traitor. Like like, once again, the, the twist is that there's a time Lord traitor. I mean, that was the case in deadly assassin. Uh, did did we have a traitor in uh, Invasion of Time, or was it just the Doctor appearing to be a traitor? Well, it was like the Castellan was wormy and uh, not quite a traitor, but he like was an opportunist. Um, right, right. So there was that. Uh, but yeah, no, it was mostly just the Doctor appearing as that way. Yeah, I mean, you'd think Gallifrey by this point would be on its guard for uh, Time Lord traitors who are almost exclusively, you know, older white men. 
you know, kind of at the top of the totem pole. Um, you know, that's that's yeah, where they, you should be concentrating your investigation, people. Yeah, let's put a few more checks no, and balances into the system, come right? to think of it. Like, <laughs> you know, like the Ark of Infinity, like, like Barusa, this is his third appearance and the third actor to play Barusa. Um, speaking mm. of traitors, because he goes on to do his last appearance in The Five Doctors, that yet another mm. actor to play him, which is funny. It's like the same season. You couldn't get the same dude. Not that anyone was dying to see, again, nothing against the this actor, who I think was just miscast and not given great mm-hmm. material, um, which was uh, Leonard Sachs played him here in Ark of Infinity. Right. And of course, yeah, that so character goes on to betray everything too. Like all these <laughs> high-ranking Time Lords just doing bad stuff you might think there's maybe there's a problem with this system maybe we should uh, make some adjustments here <laughs> maybe it's because you you have so many organizations like the cia like division uh that that are you know secret off the books time lords organize time lord organizations that there's nobody left for like internal policing matters yeah. just everyone's on the honor system that you're not going to be a traitor right right you haven't uh, stared too hard at <laughs> the untempered schism. Right. Yep. Yeah, okay. But, um, <laughs> yeah. but speaking well, of dying, t- as yeah. I think you mentioned dying in terms of Barusa metaphorically, but, but but like actual dying. Why is the guy regenerating so much? What the hell is he doing? I know. I mean, yeah. <laughs> is, is he just like living the high life every time we don't see him off screen? He's like just, you know, uh, <laughs> trying well, not to live forever, barring accidents. Having as here's, many accidents here's my theory can. on this. I mean, I think you there might be some sort of equivalent of cancer for mm. Time Lords that maybe is something regeneration doesn't fully cure. Like, in other words, maybe some people are born or acquire some sort of degenerative uh, disease that I, I, mm. I hope isn't contagious, but maybe it's just a thing that happens. And so some Time Lords bodies give out a lot faster than some others. And maybe it's a rare thing, but that maybe it's incurable. Maybe Bruce was just one of these folks that just his regenerations last, you know, three or four years. That's it. That's all he's got. Coming soon to big finish, time cancer. <laughs> a story nobody <laughs> well, asked for. I actually kind of like the idea because it might give a little more impetus to his eventual uh, turn in The Five Doctors, where he talks a lot about, mm. like, his work being half done and the fact that he wants to live forever um, is... <laughs> is the motivator there that he just wants to be Lord president for, for eternity. And that makes a more sense if he's been cheated out of a full time Lord life somehow. And Hmm. that's sort of serving as a bit of a frustration that puts him over the edge. And now he's, he's so, he's so crazy. He's going to activate the death zone, get some regenerations again. Yeah, want to live forever? Maybe, maybe bar having accidents that that is, seems to be burning burning through your regenerations. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it is interesting because we are, of course, here in the same season as Modern Undead, where they make it they emphasize that it is canon that the Doctor only has twelve right. uh, regenerations total, right? Um, but here it's just sort of dealt with so casually and sometime Lords die, but in the same time you're mentioning the fact that Barusa is regenerated. Um, so yeah, the, the canon is just being inconsistent. So at the same time as you've got all these, you know, little bits of dialogue thrown in to, to clear up previous inconsistencies like state of temporal grace, you're not dealing with the, the giant non-regenerating elephant in the room of how can you murder Time Lords? 
Right, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it just well, it's also like they, that's why. Why I'm are they seeds of Doctor Who's doom? Right. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, all, and there's also like to, to the killing, not killing. There's the inconsistency with mm. the stasers, and I guess for some yeah. reason they also use impulse lasers. And it seems it seems to be implied that Damon and his buddy who get killed, who, who gets killed in the first scene, almost like aren't time lords, so they're Gallifreyans, but they're not time lords. And then mm. Hedden gets killed by the Castellan because for some reason the the Castellans are always like bloodthirsty and just like why why would you just come in with a lethal staser and kill the guy anyway like i mean is that i know he's like supposedly killing the doctor uh because he was already sentenced to death but is that it's not like when <laughs> like an execution doesn't work they say all right all the cops with guns come in here and start shooting him like i mean there's 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 kind of process <laughs> you know that's a, like it's like they suddenly yeah. become barbarians for a minute just because someone needs to die in this scene yeah, and yeah. and could we not at least have a trial by jury? Could they not like spring for twelve extras? Uh, just to, to your point earlier, of, like we Gallifrey feels really sparsely populated in this one. Yeah, we need at least one scene with a lot of extras. Maybe give the Doctor a trial, uh, or or maybe they were already already knew that that could be a future season uh, to put the Doctor on trial. But yeah, okay, it's kind of so. I have some questions. Now, before Ooh, we get to the questions, one I have to yeah. nerd out about a very specific question is what is right. up with the recall device? Yes. Okay. So the TARDIS is taken back to Gallifrey by means of recall device. So something mm. starts blinking on the console, which now we know what that light is. It's the TARDIS recall device activated by the High Council of the Time Lords and that brings the TARDIS back. And he can't do anything about it. And he says... The recall device has only been used three times in their entire history. So I lied because I said I have a question. I actually have a host of questions about this. <laughs> like, what was what first was the war games one of those times? Now, yes. uh, it would explain how the TARDIS just sort of appears on Gallifrey at the end of the war games, even though the doctor clearly doesn't want to go there. It's been like scooped apparently by the Time Lords. Um, but if that's the case, like, why didn't they bring him back earlier than the war games if they're using a recall device there? So I I'm tend to favor maybe that wasn't a recall device. And because the doctor does say in this story, in Ark of Infinity, that, oh, Damon, when you fix my TARDIS, fix it with a sort of an engine that doesn't have a recall device, which implies you can do that. You know, like there, right. you can have TARDISes with them and without them. So maybe his TARDIS didn't have a recall device up until the War Games, but then obviously the Time Lords. There, were, you remember there was a technicians in the War Games that were doing something in there, mm. and then, uh, then they the Time Lords sort of had unprecedented power over the TARDIS. Right? It was they, during the Pertwee era; we would send them wherever, and uh, right. so so if there was definitely a re there was I think after the War Games, there's definitely a recall device. But maybe he didn't have one until then. And if that's the case, well, then what were the other two times? <laughs> and all of this, all of this, like, if you take an even further step back, well, wh why is using a recall device so serious anyway? Like, it just seems like a thing they'd be using all the time. Like, why is it like, oh, my God, they're using a recall device. What, you mean they're bringing back their property? <laughs> To their yeah, planet, exactly. oh my, they, the thing you know? that you stole that you still haven't paid for, by the way. 
like you're just being allowed to take this Type 40, bust up old Type 40 TARDIS around the universe. Uh, yeah, and what's wrong with the recall? I, you know what? I, yeah. I, I, I got I got really so bored at that point. I kind of imagined the Doctor kind of on hold with IT for like how to, how to turn his find my friends off. Uh, <laughs> broadcasting his data as uh, the TARDIS could be recalled. Yeah, you know, you're not going to see where I am. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, so so presumably one of those times was was for the deadly assassin, right? The uh, where he has to drop Sarah Jane off because the TARDIS I mean, is about to re- be recalled. Yeah, I mean, maybe, but he he sort of deliberately goes there because you think I don't think that was yeah. a recall device either because. Yeah he's just given a message and it's not even from the high council. Uh, I think they, didn't they reveal it was from goth or yes, the master or something, something like, like so that. basically he the doctor, yeah, the has time to drop English. off Sarah Jane and then go. So that, that I mm-hmm. think reveals that it's not a recall. Um, and also they're, they're not really expecting him. I mean, for a lot of reasons, but like mostly that he, he just, drops in and the guard get there and yeah anyway we go ahead and listen to our deadly assassin podcast there's a whole thing on it but <laughs> or yeah i mean it's just a trial of a time lord podcast in which the tardis is again recalled apparently even with that recall device yeah. well i think it's it's clearly a thing for this story that they're trying to sort of instill some stakes and some feeling like of oh some something mm. big is going on something big with the doctor and something big with within time lord society and they they sort of emphasize it with this idea of the recall device and that's it's this rarely used thing. And obviously that's echoed a little bit in the capital punishment and how rare that is. Um, so again, but it, again, it, you, you, but if you take it apart just a little bit, it just doesn't hold up to any scrutiny. And the main thing being like, well, what's so serious about that? They just want their TARDIS back or they're just bringing you back. Cause you know, like it doesn't have to be like, we're going to execute you. It's like, Oh yeah. You know, we, we have a nice Christmas dinner. Like, you know, like, come on back, doctor. Yeah. We'll, we'll just hit the recall button or answer a few questions just, about uh, where you left your scarf or whatever. Like, just, just, just hit it. Like I'd just be hitting that recall device all the time just to kick maybe, my feet up and chat with the being, doctor. It's just being recalled. Like your Toyota Camry might be recalled. Like, yeah, just, just bring it back in. Like we, we're going to do some uh, yeah. fixing it. We're going to update it for you. We're going to get we'll Google maps on your console. Point. It's going to be great. <laughs> the Type 40s have yeah. all been recalled because apparently there's a problem with the chameleon circuit. Uh, if you've been having chameleon circuit issues, uh, please bring your Type 40 TARDIS back to Gallifrey immediately. And we'll exchange anyway, it for anyone. Last point of the recall device. It's pretty clear he <laughs> does not get a engine without one because I think it's, that is clearly what's used in Trial of a Time Lord to bring him back mm-hmm. to his trial. Mm-hmm. So, yes. Rule while there's one, while there was all, while there was a Gallifrey, they could bring him back any time. Rule number one: Your Time Lord friends lie about how they've modded up your TARDIS. Uh, <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that those were some questions. Shall we? Shall we put Ark of Infinity out of its misery by asking some more questions? Would those be the four questions to Doomsday? Yes. Yes, they would be. <laughs> What's the first okay. question, Pete? <laughs> The first question is, why did the randomizer take us here? Uh, Well, we already kind of went over this. (laughs) I mean, it's pretty on the nose. Yeah. We talked about season 20. Boom. Done. You talked a lot about season 20. And I, to to my uh, everlasting shame, said, 
let's let's see more Davis. <laughs> like I, I felt like we were missing. <laughs> so I brought this on myself. Like I felt like we were missing more Davis. I kind of had a bit of nostalgia for the era. And you were thinking of Power of the Doctor. That's what you wanted to say. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, apparently so. But <laughs> the most recent Davison episode, as it were. Um, yeah, I mean, there's also you mentioned the thing about flat line arc. I think that's the randomizers having fun with maths. <laughs> um, maybe, well, there's also obviously the randomizer loves time lords, those time lords and Tardises. So there is some Tardis mm-hmm. action here. You learn a little bit about like the space time elements, which about by the way, I do like the a great bit of storytelling without dialogue in arc of infinity is when maxil pulls the space-time element out of the console and the tardis starts to go dark and nissa looks at him and he looks at her and there's just like oh like this hatred between the two of them um Mm. really great acting with their eyes both colin baker and sarah sutton there um good little moment in (laughs) <laughs> perhaps shall we say a that mixed story me. at this point that reminds me everyone seems to be hanging out in Nissa's bedroom on the TARDIS what's up with that <laughs> <laughs> there's literally infinite rooms that you could be hanging out with Every, everyone's in Nissa's bedroom like you kind of almost want them to have a sleepover and like singing to sing sing into hairbrushes in their PJs and like you know get their well, hair given what we know in. about Nissa, and I think we've seen her bedroom a few times, certainly, <laughs> like all the way back to I think the visitation or something. But you you have to think it's the most well organized, the most oh, nice yeah. smelling, the most brightly lit <laughs> room in the entire TARDIS. So it's like, why wouldn't you want to hang out there? I love that idea. The rest of the TARDIS just smells like a bachelor cave. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is the one room. Where, yeah, I, that certainly puts Tegan's desire to uh, escape the TARDIS as ASAP uh, into context. Yeah, she's a oh, doctor, really. I try, All right. I try, I try. One time, doctor. We've answered anyway. too many questions with that one, uh, but we got to move on to the second question, which is what if the evil plot had succeeded? Okay, so so the evil plot is Omega is trying to return to the non antimatter universe. Yes. Yeah, this is the thing. It's, it's like in as I was sort of saying earlier with him looking at the nice scene in Amsterdam, like I feel like the evil plot succeeding here if it's him successfully transferring is like, okay, he's just, he's just here hanging out in our universe. And you know, he's, he's going to little puppet shows on the streets of Amsterdam. That's kind of it. We're done. I would love that. I would love that version of Arkham Infinity. If like the evil plot succeeding is you just cut from that scene where he's like staring at the organ. He looks like he's thinking, ah, organs there are things to cut to six months later he's got his own organ and it's much more exciting <laughs> and colorful and it's doing all these whizzy time lord effects and he's like the happiest uh, barrel organ owner <laughs> in amsterdam uh end credits Works that's about it yeah i think the problem is to take it seriously is that it's clear from maybe less of this story, but to some extent in this story, but certainly in the three doctors and in other media. So there's this great big finish. Uh, I would call it great. It's actually a pretty good big finish called Omega. It's just simply called Omega. But from all of those, it's very clear. Omega is nuts. Like his time in the antimatter universe has driven him insane. So I think 
at some point, whatever happens to him, if he successfully transfers, he does become some megalomaniac and need to, he needs to be stopped. So even in the fanciful scenario, he just becomes this great organ maker. I think at some point he realizes he can sell organs for more than he paid for them, builds up a big organ empire somehow and uses that to further some diabolical end uh, or get revenge on the Time Lords or something like that. So, yeah, I think ultimately that happens. uh, But whatever story results from that would probably be better than Arkham Infinity. (laughs) Yeah, I like like the idea that the season-long hunt for Omega arc, maybe maybe we could still do that in the new series we're going to bring him back again somehow um, yeah he'd have to he'd have to hook up with the cybermen or something because the cybermen yeah. are sort of on earth around now because they're prepping yeah. for the return of mondas so like their time travel from mm. attack of the cybermen so he'd have to hook up with some spacefaring race here in 1980s earth to get a lift off earth but he'd have to do that soonish i guess because I, presumably even if uh the the doctor doesn't succeed in hunting him down here and now like the time lords would come after him um again like the time lords just seem really like strapped for like they just can't do anything in this episode besides just kind of you know maybe like they can't even really execute the doctor properly right like they can't they don't do anything they're just so ineffective and uh, you just never get a sense of their sort of amazing the scale of their power which you used to get with the dom baker episodes how how the mighty have fallen from from war games where we went recently where the time lords are almost literally gods and and can do no wrong and can can bring you back at any time and have powers over time and space too oh, we're just going to let omega wander around amsterdam yeah yeah you know well it's also like i come I, get your boy to to pick at another thing there's that whole dumb pulse loop thing in episode 4 where they distract omega with some techno babble and so the doctor can get to amsterdam and mm. it it just felt like something out of like an 80s detective show of yeah. let's do this thing like it did this did not feel like the most powerful race in the cosmos like doing something with that power in any way and i guess maybe you could you could interpret it as like, well, the time Lords are kind of neutered because the Omega now controls the matrix or something, I guess maybe, but I'm also like, you'd almost think the response to Omega, uh, his inevitable transfer is we need to focus all of our powers on this. Like we need to get every Mm. single TARDIS out of mothballs right now and aim them all where he is. Like, in other words, like why not just come in force? Like, yep. and yes, he, he, he can detect that, but there, I don't get a sense that Omega can do anything about it. Like, what's he going to do if you just, you know, all go in the vortex at once and just come at him? And yes, he's going to kill Tegan, but I mean, why would the Lord President care? You know, that's your problem, Doctor. Like, I'm sorry, one human is, this is like, this person's going to destroy the universe. We're going to get all of our, you know, battle tardises and just blow them away. Yep. I, I love that idea for another alternate ending uh, of uh, Arc of Infinity that you could actually, in theory, do now. Like, just have it be so that you know, Peter Davison can't actually shoot Omega uh, at the end. And, uh, and you know, we think Omega's going to live. But no, here comes Commander Maxwell uh, with his fleet of <laughs> battle tardises. And maybe it's an older Commander Maxwell. Maybe it's a Colin Baker today Commander Maxwell. And he's just take it, had to take that long in his lifespan to uh, build the battle tardises to come after Omega. But they've, they've finally done it. 
and they just they lead him away. Oh, that'd be amazing. I'd love to, I'd love to see the sweeping shot of like Colin ba- young Colin Baker leaning out of his battle TARDIS <laughs> and just <laughs> coming in like with a fleet of them. And it's like, yeah, man, boom, big action sweeping song. You know, I don't know. It's a soundtrack in the background. That'd be huge. I mean, yeah, if we want to CGI young Colin Baker, but I'm thinking old Colin Baker could do it as old oh. Colin Baker. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> right he could still do this he could still do he that still do it. let's do it you know maybe there's still time yeah. before is the season 20 box set out now we could we could squeeze this in <laughs> it's, not a it's a few months away <laughs> they still got some time to film yes. it call us Colin all right call us. moving on to the third question which is where is the clara splinter oh i'm so looking forward to this one Claire Oswald splintered in time at the end of the name of the doctor. She is somewhere in every single doctor who story. And that includes this one because there is actual footage in (laughs) the name of the doctor that shows uh, Clara falling and she falls onto Mm -hmm. what looks like a glass floor. And she peers through that glass floor and beyond it is a wavy Peter Davison in the matrix, which is directly from this uh, episode. So she's, she's there. She's clearly on the mate on Gallifrey or in the matrix or something. Um, What is she doing now? I had to go and look at the name of the doctor. I had to freeze frame it because you only get it for a second. uh, Is that the shot where you see what Clara is wearing? Um, because right. your presumption might be that Clara is Time Lord Clara. We've we've encountered Time Lord Clara Splinter before. She's obviously the first Splinter to appear in in Name of the Doctor. You know, directing William Hartnell to to get in the busted old Type Forty TARDIS. Um, because you're going to have much more fun. So you might think it's her, but it's not. It is quite definitively Clara dressed in. She almost looks like Ace. She's she's definitely in like eighties right. outfit. Yeah, so it looks like we, okay. To, yeah, so we can't say it's Simon Clara. I'm going to say it's Clara who's somehow come through from Amsterdam. She's she's an Amsterdam tourist. Uh, yeah, and has I think somehow that, been sucked into the Matrix because Omega. But then, how is she helping at all? I mean, I guess my my issue <laughs> that, is that that's the part where I was hoping you could take over. <laughs> like, why? why? <laughs> well, to what I, end? I've got to take a step back and sort of the production of that bit in the name of the doctor. Cause there's, there's a bunch of cuts and a few seconds earlier, there's a scene of Clara, uh, in dragon fire ostensibly. So she's looking mm. through a door with a glass window and she's like yelling doctor. And on the other side of that door is Sylvester McCoy. And he's doing his infamous thing in dragon fire where he's, um, the, the literal cliffhanger where he's holding on to mm-hmm. his umbrella. and uh, But what she's wearing there is the leather jacket and these earrings and her hair up. So she looks a little like Ace. So I think that's what they were right. going for. But then they yeah. also included most of that outfit in the bit with Ark of Infinity. So she falls forward mm-hmm. and it's it, she's wearing basically the exact same thing except for like the shirt is different. So in the earlier one, she's wearing something red. In the Ark of Infinity thing, she's wearing something blue. My guess is that they were really trying to sort of rack up different looks and different shots with Jenna Coleman. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's just one of these realities of TV, TV production. You, you have so much time and some of the outfits 
probably we didn't even see some we didn't some were probably half done this way that way and they just picked what they wanted of the shots that were good and mixed it in with things that worked <laughs> that, that that she could sort of be looking at and so like that's that's clearly kind of what happened right because otherwise why why would she be wearing sort of half the outfit and not mm-hmm. uh in, in mm-hmm. two different seats um so yeah, I, I don't so in other words this is giving me a get out of it's given me a get out of jail free card to not pay as much attention to the outfit, I think, as, as you did, because I, I have to conclude she is on Gallifrey and she's Gallifrey and not necessarily a Time Lord. And that what she's doing is uh, she's basically running OPSEC. So mm. she's basically got a job similar to Damon and the other guy. And if any organization has decent OPSEC, what you would do, operational security, by the way, and yep. you you would change the presidential code when the president changes. You would just do that, <laughs> I think. Uh, and she, because she's running OPSEC, she doesn't do it. She's like, okay, I'm going to keep the presidential code the same for a few centuries here mm-hmm. so that when mm-hmm. he remembers it in the next visit, he's going to be able to get into this door. And so that's how right. that works. <laughs> okay it's a charge I, I of like, bad time lord security i guess she could still be a time lord uh you know maybe maybe a cia time lord who is preparing to potentially go to amsterdam if the doctor doesn't succeed in ending omega in amsterdam she will have to go in and take care of business and do cleanup hmm. uh, so she's that's why she's dressed like she could step into 1982 at any moment Oh, okay. So she could she could be maybe doing one of maybe she's working with Maxel to yeah, yeah. to do some maybe. serious uh, head busting, and if the maybe time comes, she's Maxel's boss. Ooh, well, the Castellans yeah. is boss. Maybe it's more like maybe she's like a rival. You know what I mean? Like mm. she he, she and Maxel are both vying for the Castellans' uh, favor. Yes, maybe she's the Castellan's uh, boss herself, or maybe maybe she's the real boss of it. She's pulling the strings behind the scenes in the CIA or in Division. Maybe she's the head of both of them. Who even knows how those? <laughs> well, she's doing something uh, there, but my guess is like she she needs to be helping the doctor in some way. So the fact that his code works it's a nice callback, but it makes no sense if you're paying it all attention to uh, security of your uh, of your office. So. Yeah, maybe she's sort of hammering on the glass, like trying to tell the doctor that that he's about to, you know, Tegan is about to appear in that floaty matrix thing. And it really is her, uh, you know, which sort of explains why the doctor kind of takes it as red when he does see Tegan. Like she's just, yeah, believe me, it's me. As if, you know, a fake Tegan wouldn't say that. Yeah. And I got to say the stuff where she goes, like, here's the location uh, again, some of the I hate to slam too much on Johnny Byrne because again, I, I, you don't want to slam too much on anyone, but it is like it's just a little bit dumb, right? Like it's just so on the nose and direct. Like here she is, oh girl, don't tell him your exact location, and she says the exact location. <laughs> like you kind of want to be like really, like you you kind of want that to be just smarter, right? Like maybe like somehow she holds up a. A thing that shows Amsterdam or whatever, and and maybe Momoka right. just doesn't notice, uh-huh. you know, or like pull something out, like I don't know. So it doesn't, you know, I'm just riffing here, but like something that isn't so obvious that 
you'd have to be just really stupid to <laughs> to to let the yeah, doctor get away with with doing that find find the best barrel organ in amsterdam i'm near there uh she could have said uh or you know something more obscure about barrel organ hits something about juleps and the doctor could interpret that instead she gives a like a three letter code for the the hostel or or no it's the it's the crypt place like basically yeah. it sort of feels like the the only educational portion of arc of infinity is like if you're stuck in amsterdam kids here's how you you know look in the amsterdam phone book which is in every phone box and you will see these codes or something i don't well know i think that was like the the initials of the place that yeah. he was staying at right so like i guess that was that sort of works. And again, it's more like eighties detective show stuff than, than Dr. Yes. Unfortunate. <laughs> All right. Moving on to the final question. The only question that matters for arc of infinity. What do we think of this story? And guys, the pull to open <laughs> rating system has, of course, six ratings. Yes. <laughs> sorry go ahead please please tell us about these ratings pete <laughs> there's the dalek which we give to a good episode of doctor who the ogron which we give to a not so good episode of doctor who the professor hater which we give to a episode that was not so good but hey at least we learned something at least they tried something the viscount banger which we reserve for the best of the best the fixed point in time, which is a story that is beyond rating, we don't can't rate it. Uh, sometimes for reasons of nostalgia, but also sometimes for other reasons. And also the Cassandra, which is the what we give Cassandra, to a Doctor Who. Is it the Lady Cassandra or the Cassandra? We got to we got to settle the this. La- it, do I we think have the a Lady Cassandra? I feel Lady Cassandra so <sighs> distinguish her from you know Cassandra. Uh, of of historical sure. Cassandra, who does actually feature in the Myth Makers, I believe, right? Uh, uh, sure. Yeah, we don't want to. Okay. Come- <laughs> <laughs> the, the Lady Cassandra, Cassandra, which is Doctor Who that looks good but isn't good, so you might want to put it on as wallpaper uh, when it's, you have a party. Pretty, but has a tissue thin story. Yeah, I you know I wish I could give this a Lady Cassandra. Just to just to flex that, uh, I I wish I could give it a professor hater because I wish that they tried something new, or you know, uh, or that we learned something from this. I'd also love to give it a professor hater because, of course, it is the story after the first appearance or <laughs> only appearance. Of professor hater, <laughs> of course, professor hater is coming back for the sixtieth anniversary. Everyone knows that. Um, no, it's uh, yeah. I would have loved to have done that. I would have loved to have given it anything but the ogron that I unfortunately have to give it. I'm sorry. Ouchies. Yeah. Ouchies. This is a big old smelly ogron. I don't see anything redeeming about it. And in fact, I see negative things that you know reduced my love of Doctor Who. Not even Commander Maxwell pulls it away from the ogron for you. Okay. Well. Nope. I'm referencing here, you know, I actually think Arc of Infinity isn't as bad as it's often reputed to be, Um, or that perhaps you think it is. Um, But I'm looking at the, I'm actually looking at my recent Doctor Who magazine where- I was going to ask, yes. 
where it falls in the current rankings, and it's been pretty consistent. It's ranked fairly low on the Fifth Doctor's Adventures, but not at the bottom. It's sort of about, I'd say, three quarters of the way down the list of his oh, 20 or so adventures. And it's it's been ranked as low as 17th and is now ranked 16th. And I think that's oh, about that's right. Climbing. And that's that's like I would I would maybe even rank it slightly higher than that, but it is it is definitely not among Davison's best. But I also don't think it's an mm-hmm. Ogron. I do think they did try for sort of an epic Time Lord tale here, and even though they kind of fell, um, it's it's just more bland than bad, and that's not necessarily the worst. Uh, so I'm giving it a Professor Hater. Like at least they tried something, um, and there are again some highlights. I really do like you get to see. Nissa shoot a bunch of people and I think that sort of fits into her maturing arc of this season which I'll talk to a little talk about a little bit in uh maybe snake mm-hmm. dance uh and sort of leading up to her we've already done it but her exit in terminus uh and then Maxil I think kind of Maxil saves a lot of this as that's a great guest appearance even if you even without the foreknowledge that he's going to be the sixth mm-hmm. doctor I mean he Colin Baker steps up and gives that character a certain amount of weight and sort of interest and uh yeah you come away uh just kind of impressed with that performance and it's definitely very memorable so uh yeah i'm I'm not sure we should be using the the word weight in the same sentence as colin baker but yes you're giving it (laughs) you're you're giving it no wait that's worse Ooh. Uh, uh, <laughs> you're giving it a professor hater uh not even a fixed point in time for you i thought maybe that would be your your response to the conundrum of arc of Vinci is like we we haven't have we had a fixed point in time from you yet uh, no no like you say my powder's still dry i uh i may <laughs> get there with with mind. a davison i may mm-hmm. uh we'll see uh maybe i will maybe i'll pull that out for for a future davison but i'm right now it's it's a it's a hater i think probably because it's so close to professor hater he was just in one story (laughs) previous in time flight so yeah yeah okay okay fair enough all right split decision half half ogron half hater it's it's an ogron in a tweed jacket and a bow tie telling you to concentrate on fish (laughs) and chips so there it is that's Closing the book, uh, ending the Ark of Infinity. The Ark of Infinity, thankfully, is not infinite. Uh, the the Ark of <laughs> Finitude uh, might be more appropriate. Love it. <laughs> it, it is time. Unless you have anything right. else to say about Ark of Infinity, Pete, it's time. No, let's activate our pulse loop so Omega doesn't know where we're going and uh, activate the randomizer. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I've been assured that our TARDIS has been modded so that the Time Lords can't follow us now or recall us for any reason. Uh, but it is time to talk about the randomizer. How how do we work here on Pull to Open? Well, the randomizer is composed of two elements. Pete has one, the Codex, list of all of Doctor Who stories in sequential order. I have the controls of the Executor, aka random.org, which is a website that uses true randomness generated from atmospheric noise rather than the pseudo-randomness of computer algorithms because they are notoriously bad at coming up with random numbers. We are using bespoke randomness. And before we do this, before we get back into our TARDIS and and hit the button, uh, first of all, Pete, you have to tell me how many stories in the television show of Doctor Who are left for us to talk about. There are 210 stories still to go in the Codex. Wow. 210. 
Got it. Yep, okay. Two, one, so zero. The minimum number is one. The max is two ten, and we like to give challenges to the randomizer. Um, I think I, I'm I'm still a little uh, burned by its its decision last time, Pete. So, what you want to go first mm-hmm. on this one? Gladly. So I was very complimentary to one Colin Baker just now. I'm saying, hey, bring us back. Give us some more Colin somewhere in his run or even beyond his run. Like, and I guess I'm probably only referring to power of the doctor there, (laughs) but (laughs) let's see him again. Oh, uh, I'm going to say this, this felt like a, like a really bad vacation in Amsterdam. Uh, and it's, it's summertime. It's uh, the end of July here is where we're recording. Um, you know, everything's feeling summery and there's a vacation feel to it. Take us to a, a better vacation for the Doctor uh, than, hmm. than his time running around in Amsterdam past, uh, you know, in search of a gloopy version of himself. Uh, doesn't, doesn't sound like uh, the Doctor's going to give a, a good TripAdvisor rating. So take us to a good time that the Doctor had. Wow. Okay. Well, we've eliminated the two doctors already, so the, I don't think the randomizer can successfully combine our challenges. Yes. So we'll see which one it w- tries to ignore more in just a minute here. <laughs> All right. All right. The countdown. We'll find out. Here we go. Four, three, two, one. I'm a chap. Seventy-six. I think. Oh, seventy-six. I think you might be right. Full circle. Okay. Mm. This is Romana's last story? Nope, not her last. Oh, okay. It is Adric's first first story. Adric's first. Is is it the first e-space? It is the first e-space. Okay, so the (laughs) one thing that we didn't mention about Ark of Infinity, one of the things that, one of the connections that they draw to try and tie up continuity is they, they kind of slam the Doctor for not bringing Romana back. And the Doctor's like, well, she wanted to stay in eSpace. That's right. There was a big eSpace mention. It's like, what is my problem? I can't make her come back to normal space. Like, if she wants to stay in eSpace, that's her business. Come on. That's right. It's a free woman. Free time lady. Lady time lords have independence now, old girlfriend, man. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so I guess the randomizer wants to take us to a vacation to eSpace with with Romana and find out why she loved it so much she had to stay. Okay. Well, we look forward to that and wandered around the marshes (laughs) of Alzurius with y'all. Guys, this has been Pull to Open. It's a podcast. Podcasts are great things for you to subscribe to or follow in whatever app you are finding us in. Maybe you're even finding us on a web embed somewhere. I'm sure there's a follow button. Go ahead and hit it. Hey, if you're on YouTube, liking and subscribing, those are great things to do. Or even that bell icon will let you uh, get some notifications when we have new content. You can follow us on social, pull to open on TikTok, pull to open 63 on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, and threads. Go ahead, do all those things, but also leave a review of your, this podcast in whatever app we yes. happen to be in or a star rating. Those might be a little easier. For some reason, I'm seeing five stars in front of me, but you leave whatever you want. We'll see you next time for the beginning of the eSpace trilogy, uh, which is a trilogy in the show, not necessarily. Indeed. In the podcast, at least not yet. Not for us. <laughs> not yet, though it may be. We, we have done one of them already. Uh, so it's going to be good to go back to eSpace, and we'll see you all 
on the other side. Take care, guys.